Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates for our number two. Glad you're with us for OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Great radio partners like Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland, Somo Sports Radio in Missouri. Say hello to Joplin this afternoon and Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, and Florence. You can hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 where you can follow us. Same, same search for the YouTube channel or how to download podcasts if you missed PK's chat with Dane Brugler of The Athletic. That will be available wherever you download your audio. Chad and I are in New York. Paul is with us from Indianapolis, and we'll hit some news and notes from the Combine. But um, the, the headline uh, for the big quarterbacks that have been in the news over the last month, month and a half, is just going through some of the, the coaching answers and press conferences. Pete Carroll said that the team has no intention of making any move with, uh, in regards to trading Russell Wilson. Paul, this is a no-brainer for you. Um, but I guess this means that we should stop throwing out Russell Wilson trade scenarios and assuming that the Colts would make a big splash move like this? I think so. But, uh, you know, I read Mike Florio today, and he said uh, saying you have no intention of making a move, and here we go into the (laughs) parsing that everybody wants to do, that that's not strong enough language for him. And, uh, you know, he'd still make a phone call because if he really meant no intention, he'd say, you know, we're absolutely not trading Russell Wilson or something much stronger. I mean, I think there's a line. <laughs> you know, if you say it this strong, I'm drawing a line at my eyes, that's strong enough to mm-hmm. indicate that you're sticking with the guy. Now, there is softer language that some people use that I think does leave open, uh, you know, some possibility. But to me, what Pete Carroll said is strong enough to, to uh, that if I'm a team interested in Russell Wilson, would I make a phone call still? Yes. Would I expect to, uh, to be, uh, be well-received? No, no, I wouldn't. I think, uh, you know, and, and again, I mean, if you're Pete Carroll, and we've been talking about this for a while, if you're Pete Carroll, you're, you're getting up there. You want another swing at the trophy, and right now you'd be setting yourself up to have to look for a franchise quarterback, which is the hardest thing to find in, in the league. It doesn't make much sense for a guy of his age and stature to want to put yourself in that situation, I don't, I don't think. A younger guy with a lesser view of the team and, and uh, you know, not rose-colored glasses as he tends to have about the talent he has, I, I could see it. I, I, don't, I don't see it for him, and it doesn't sound like he does either. So you guys tell me if you agree or disagree with this. The whole dilemma now with quarterbacks who are unhappy and and maybe they want out russell wilson changing some of his social media you know rumors whispers about he wants out of seattle seattle comes back and says we're not interested in trading a great quarterback in russell wilson ultimately it is seattle's decision but it also comes down to each franchise's threshold for unhappy quarterbacks 
and how much they're actually willing to listen to their quarterback if they want out. And I think that threshold is pretty high for almost every franchise if you have a really good quarterback. Yeah, it's got to be. I, impossibly high, right? If someone comes in and says, well, you're under contract, you're good, we don't want to trade you, but Russell Wilson said, but I'm unhappy. I want to go somewhere else. I want a new start. How much does that really matter? Because we've talked about that fine line between not becoming the NBA, where a star player can get anything they want. King's ransom. They dictate to the organization and the coach what's going to happen. Quarterbacks are starting to gain some of that power, but not all of it. So what NFL franchise blinks first when it comes to this? Well, it only, doesn't look like Seattle. But it's not every quarterback. It's uh, five, no, to, it's, ten, it's, five yes, to ten guys yes, could pull this off. Absolutely. Carson Wentz has no control over his destination. Well, Aaron Rodgers could pull it off because no. he caused a stir all offseason when the, no one knew if he was going to come back or not, right? right? He got the Packers to meet and bend to his will a bit in order to play. Can Russell Wilson pull the same off? Probably. I think he's in that group of quarterbacks that could. Yeah, I do too, Chad. But I, I, think, I think you get to a certain point and there's a malcontent index also. Once you go to uh, a degree too far where it affects your own locker room, you might make yourself a little less attractive as a, as a trade candidate, right? I, I don't think there's any circumstance under which a quarterback needy team that really wanted to go for it all wouldn't make a, a you know, reasonable deal for Aaron Rodgers, which would be quite expensive. But I do think, like you're talking about, like we talk about the NBA control thing, at a certain point, a team's going to say, this guy has made it so tough on his current team in order to get out that I worry about bringing him in because I'm going to have to rub his feet in order for him to be happy here. We haven't seen anything close to that. Uh, I think the three of us are united in that we don't want to see anything close to that and hope the NBA doesn't head that direction. Um, and I don't think it will because teams tend to work very hard um, to keep very good quarterbacks happy, and very good quarterbacks tend to make teams very happy by winning a lot of games. Dolphins have doubled down on being out on Deshaun Watson. Uh, Chris Greer, their general manager, said on Wednesday that the door is shut on Deshaun. Um, that is as definitive as Tomlin saying that he's not going to coach in college football, Paul. The, the, the Dolphins, if they have another quarterback to compete with Tua Tagovailoa, it's not going to be Deshaun Watson, whether he settles these cases or not. Yeah, Armando's here, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. He also said, Mike McDaniel, that he wants a veteran backup for Tua. So, uh, you know, is he talking Mike Glennon? Uh, you know, I hope he's talking about uh, a high-quality veteran backup, which then, you know, is going to put a degree of pressure on Tua when things go south, if and when things go south for Tua. So... Um, they're out of the, the market for one of the biggest fish. Um, and we don't know who's in the market for one of the biggest fish because one of the biggest fish is obviously, um, you know, got massage, massage parlor-related problems of his own doing um, and is in really real limbo. And we're talking about the, the other guys who don't seem to be getting out of their situation. We don't know about Rodgers right now. Looks like Wilson's going nowhere. That would leave Deshaun Watson as the biggest guy and, uh, and, and leave everything in absolute limbo. I am very curious, and we'll see what Armando says, about just what level of veteran backup you want to get yourself in Miami as to uh, insurance. Are you just talking about if he's hurt 
or you're talking about if he plays badly. If you follow us on Instagram, you, you will see the post of 1,001 Dalmatians uh, and, and Paul Koharski. And Paul's tweeted about this <laughs> I as well. Oh, yeah, check it out. I'll kick 360. Uh, but if you're seeing that and you've just tuned into the show, you're like, what, are, what is this about? Well, um, earlier, uh, Iki Iquanu, who is one of the offensive tackles, one of the top tackles in this draft out of NC State, um, while he discussed his playing career, he also discussed his musical career, which is back in the fifth grade in elementary school where he had the lead role in 101 Dalmatians. And Paul, throughout the morning and throughout the afternoon, has been saying 1,001 Dalmatians. But it, it, it was taken from Aquanu, who had this to say about starring in that lead role. What's been the highlight of musical theater? Highlight musical theater? Uh, probably when I scored that role for Pongo, because, you know, it was a build-up, you know. When I did the Jungle Book, I was, like, background character. I was the cats. They had, uh, I was, like, just just a regular alley cat. But, you know, when I was 101 Dalmatians, I was one of the leads. So definitely that build-up year to year, you know, meant a lot to me. Uh, I want to say I did it third through fifth grade. Yeah, uh, yeah I did. Uh, I was in chorus uh, three years in high school, and I, I was actually in honors chorus my senior year. So, yeah, that was a big part of my life. Paul, he, he struck a chord with just you. Just a small part, huh? It's a, oh, he's got. You, and, you said he has a very. A, uh, kudos to him for saying 101 Dalmatians too. Unlike Paul, he, <laughs> he got, can, he got uh, the name of yeah, the guy. yeah. Uh, he doesn't like Dalmatians as much as I do, <laughs> and he was just a simple alley cat in Aristocats. He had to graduate into the big part in uh, 1001 Dalmatians. Well, Pongo, I don't know when we're going to get to this or if we're going to get to this. But I've worked hard on renaming <laughs> 10 other movies with let's numbers in the titles. Let's and I've got this. that ready at any time. You want it now? Yeah, let's run through it. The 33 right Stooges. <laughs> the 33 Stooges, I think, would be an improvement. 300 <laughs> Men and a Baby. The 30 Musketeers. Uh, the six Amigos. <laughs> Fantastic 40. The 50th Element. <laughs> Slaughterhouse 55, the 16th sense. It'd be much better to have 16 yeah. senses than six. We need those senses. The Magnificent 17, and uh, last but not least, uh, the 70-year itch. You really have to have a long <laughs> marriage for that one. I thought he was also going to cast Gerard Butler in 3,000 instead of 300. That would be another, uh, maybe an upgrade to that movie. By the yeah, way, Pongo, uh, Paul. Just a... Pongo is a big part yeah. for him because Pongo is the male protagonist of 101 uh. Dalmatians. So this is not just a speaking part. This is the speaking part if you're one of the Dalmatians. If you're not Cruella DeVille, I feel like this is maybe the biggest, most important role in 101 Dalmatians, or as you like to call it, 1001 Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah, it's the male lead. Uh, whether, there, whether there are 1,000 other Dalmatians or 100 other Dalmatians, this is the Dalmatian you want to be. Yep. The lead at tackle right now seems to be Evan Neal out of Alabama. And while he said he's not hell-bent on being the number one overall pick, uh, I, I insert my joke here, uh, maybe that's because Jacksonville holds that selection, um, he's certainly going to welcome it because th there's some cachet to being the number one overall selection in the NFL draft. And he thinks that no matter where he ends up, he's going to be a quick influence at left tackle. Wherever I get drafted, I'll be extremely happy. You know, what prospect wouldn't want to go number one overall? That'll be a dream come true for sure. But, you know, whatever team called my name, I'm going to be extremely happy and I'm going to be extremely ready to play ball. See, there's an example of we just saw Iquanu and now you see Neil 
and the size difference. They they weigh virtually the same, but Neil's at six seven and looks like he weighs two hundred fifty pounds. It's insane to see whenever you're like that dude weighs three thirty seven. Uh, Paul, I I think uh, he's at the top of the class for the tackle position. I know Brugler's high on Aquanu, but uh, Neil Neil's the guy that, uh, that I think Jacksonville goes with if they choose to go offense. Defense would be Aiden Hutchinson. Yes, uh, I was just talking to John Osher, a uh, longtime friend of mine who covered the Jaguars um, for for the paper for a long time and has been with the organization uh, as an in-house reporter for a long, long time. Um, and and you know those are all the names that that we talked about there. Um, you know, and he re- he reminded me of the Travis Etienne pick um, last year, and and that's the one that they you know in my opinion could come to come to regret with the chance to, to get another linchpin foundational building block there. Um, that, that was who, who the short-lived regime chose to spend a high-value pick on. Maybe he emerges after suffering a, a bad injury last year and missing the entire season. Um, but odds are, I think you guys would agree, that he's a situational player for them. And if you look at the, the very high four picks they will have had out of these two years, um, you know that that'll be the one that they regret not being a building block uh, position there um, it, with Trevor Lawrence and now a number one pick and a pick at the top of the second round here. You should have four pillars there. You may only have three if you get these two right. Doug Peterson uh, in his first one draft as the about head coach Neil. of the Jacks. Yeah. One more thing about Neil. I, I was stunned to hear this when somebody was asking Neil about the chance to be the first uh, first overall number one pick out of Alabama in 70-something years. I just looked it up. There yeah. hasn't been one since 1948. You think of how many great players have come out of Alabama, how many have flooded the draft, not since 1948. And, of course, the ad blocker came up when I went to look to see who that was. But that... He perked his eyes up. You know, he said he didn't care much whether he's the number one pick. But when he's asked about what level of honor that would be to be the first Bama guy picked number one overall in, in that span of time, he really uh, got got a little sentimental there. If that doesn't change now, it's going to change with Bryce Young. Is my my guess. Yeah. Uh, that that's been the issue is they haven't had the dominant dominant right. quarterback prospect at Alabama until recently with Tua. Uh, Jalen Hurts, who obviously wasn't the number one pick, but Bryce Young will be the number one pick. Coming up, so we're here in New York with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Of course, Paul with great coverage in Indianapolis all week, and that continues where OutKick has boots on the ground in Indy. Armando Salguero covers the NFL for OutKick.com, and he sits down with PK next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Been a fun week in New York City. Outkick 360 rolls on alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Shout out to uh, the great staff here in the building with us. Jason and Todd are outstanding. Um, they're covering, you know, 
much more important stuff on a daily basis. Hopefully, Chad, we haven't bored them to death over the last three days. Yeah, I mentioned that I might have to go to the restroom at some point, and uh, Todd looked at me like I was crazy. He said, I mean, you're in Fox News. This is serious business. <laughs> Our anchors here, they just go next to the trash can uh, where, where they're sitting. And that's how it goes down. Uh, that's when you know you're a part of serious business. Clearly, we are not. Uh, so I will get up and go to the bathroom. We're, we are in point. a serious studio, though, yes. with, with Brian Kilmeade. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, uh, shout out to he and his staff for allowing us the space uh, here with Fox all week. Um, Look, great. in all in all seriousness, it's been very very smooth uh, and easy yeah. here in New York. So that uh, we are very thankful for. And Paul's done a great job in Indy throughout the week. So whenever you try to do something like this with a split show. There's always uh, issues with it, and you're always hoping for the best, and we got the best this week. No doubt. Everybody at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. We say hello from uh, New York, and we also say hello to PK and Armando Salguero of Outkick.com. They are in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. So, pal, I've led too many conversations with this over the last couple days, but the story of this thing, not from teams' angles, but from prospect angles so far, is that there has not really been a story. Right. So this draft doesn't have an Andrew Luck. It doesn't have a number one player that just everyone is is smitten with. we might have an offensive tackle as the number one overall pick. We might have a defensive end. Neither one of them is going to really move the, the, the Richter scale, so to speak. Uh, and what that tells you about this draft is, number one, that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have to pick because who cares? Nobody wants the number one pick this year, unlike past years. And that five, ten years from now, we're going to be looking at this draft and it could be that the way we look at the 2013 draft. Remember the first round of that draft? Yeah. It was like no one was good in that first round. But if the Jags do wind up with, uh, with Evan Neal or... Um, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson yeah. or, the, or the other tackle. Um, uh, Icky. Yeah. If they wind up with, with a top flight left tackle, a guy that's a 10-year left tackle in the league, and he winds up protecting Trevor Lawrence for 10 years, and Trevor Lawrence is what we thought he was last year, that's not a deathly scenario by any means. It's not sexy right now, but it could be good for football in northern Florida. No, absolutely. But at the same time, I'm sure they would prefer to have someone say, hey, we really want that number one pick. Uh, We'll trade you a number one, our number one, and a number two. If you go down five spots... And they could still get that tackle or a defensive end, somebody to put the quarterback down from the other side. You wrote at Outkick.com about Trent Baalke talking about uh, you need the quarterback, then you need somebody to keep the quarterback upright, and you need somebody to knock the quarterback down. His history is more the knock the quarterback down from San Francisco where they drafted several good edge rushers and defensive ends. So does that make you think about Hutchinson a little bit more? Well, I'm not one of those guys. You know, I understand if you if you ignore history, you're doomed to repeat it. I get that. I, but I don't think that general managers think, well, I've picked, you know, defensive ends and edge rushers in the past. I'm going to be me and do right. it again. I think he's going to do the go through the process and pick the best guy. And frankly, look, we're in a year 
Paul, where if you watched the Super Bowl, if you watched the Tennessee Titans play the Cincinnati Bengals, you understand that if you have a great quarterback or a quarterback with great potential, it is, it is one of your duties to protect him because you could end up, A, ruining him if he's not there yet, or B, getting him hurt, ruining a career, and ruining your franchise. And I think that's the direction that a lot of general managers are thinking. So the Miami Dolphins did, in fact, call to inquire about Sean Payton. Why wouldn't, why, why do we think that they wouldn't have taken this call or investigated what they could have gotten uh, uh, the sink? Yeah, if you believe the Miami Dolphins version of events, after they heard that Sean Payton was going to step aside because it is not a retirement, I believe he'll be back. I think we most all people do. Yeah. yeah, right. So when they heard that he stepped aside, they called the Saints to ask permission to speak with him. And the Saints, again, the Dolphins' version of events, the Saints declined permission, which doesn't make sense because the Saints knew at that point that they were losing Sean Payton, that he was stepping aside. Why wouldn't the, the New Orleans Saints say, okay, you can talk to him, and if you strike a deal with him, you have to give us two number one draft picks for him. You're going to lose him anyway. You might as well lose him and get something in return. And yet their version of it is the Saints said no. What I've been told is that there were back-channel conversations with Sean Payton prior to that request of the New Orleans Saints and that Sean Payton, you know, hemmed and hawed and wasn't all in or all out. And that's the reason that they moved towards asking the Saints. That makes a lot more sense then, doesn't it? So Chris Greer on Tua says... In turn, what was the question? Is, can he be an elite quarterback? Can yeah. he be the guy? He says, I can't say he can't be. So where does that, where do you put that on a scale of one to 10 in terms of endorsement? A zero. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the answer to that question, if you are the yes, guy, yeah, right? Yes. If you're the, the guy that invested the number five overall selection on the guy and you have decided, despite the fact that he's not been good, the first two seasons and you're bringing him back for the third is you better be have a conviction that absolutely your answer is yes at there least is a at least front facing right <laughs> lie to me man <laughs> but this convoluted uh, he can, i'm not gonna say he can't not be <laughs> what do you say let me see i'm now doing double negative right. math to you see have to what, reverse it. reverse right? engineer to see what you really mean and what you really mean is you don't know that's what you really mean so mike mcdaniel said he wants a veteran backup quarterback yeah what level of veteran backup quarterback are we are we thinking here a veteran backup quarterback who becomes the starter if Tua struggles or just a safety net for for injury Right. Well, and, and, and I mean, what's what's available out there in the backup course. quarterback market? Well, I would say that Teddy Bridgewater is going to come into the conversation at some point. He's from South Florida. So the Dolphins have been interested in him in the past. He hasn't been interested in them because he wants to play. 
I would also say that Tua Tungavailoa is this tall right here and has an injury history. And anyone who... Armando's hand was at his nose. Right. And anyone who, who joins that team as a backup quarterback does so pretty much understanding you're probably going to play. That's been the story his rookie year. It's been the story his second year. So I don't know why it wouldn't be the story his third year. John Lynch admitted that he passed on a lot of money with a potential TV job, but felt compelled to stick it out. I don't want to say stick it out like it's a punishment. He's got a good job with the 49ers as a GM of a, of a good football team. I mean, did, I don't think any of us ever envisioned TV resetting the market for coaches and GMs. He's good on TV. But I, I, I imagine you, like me, and we don't get to watch too many games on TV because we're usually at a game. I've never turned on a game for an announcer. So I don't understand why these networks are so hell-bent on spending this amount of cash on Guys, even guys who have established himself as pretty good. John Lynch is pretty good on TV. Is John Lynch worth that much money as a TV prospect? Paul, you're worth whatever someone wants to pay you. And that's what you're worth. And apparently, it's very difficult for some guys to put sentences together and then string them into paragraphs (laughs) on television during a live football game. And so it's it's a gift that... the. Television executives think very few people have. I would suggest to you that more people than they know have that gift. I would concur. I co-sign. And and, um, it's interesting because you look at Sean Payton, for example. That's what helped him to make his decision to step away from coaching. Right? He wants to be on television. And he's going to be. And he's going to make as much money on television as he did being away from his family, being away from the sideline, away from the team, is what he had when he was doing his life's work, which was being on the New Orleans Saints. I would say to you that You're going to see more and more of this. Sean McVay also had uh, a little dabble. Dalliance. Yeah, dalliance flirtation with television, and eventually he will end up on television. Not this year, maybe not next year, but the guy's 38. He's going to end up on television. Uh, More power to him. Look, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) More power to him. I think Steve Kimes done a reasonably good job of roster assembly. I think Cliff Kingsbury obviously has struggled. Uh, you know, it, it is, there's no secret that down the stretch the Cardinals have bombed every one of his seasons, and that's a huge issue. But I don't have a problem with the extensions. I have a problem with the length of the extension. I don't understand why it has to be six years. But I don't think it's a sin to say, let's let's stick with this, give it some stability, see if it pans out, instead of, Cycling through, again, fired Wilkes after one year, going to a lame duck season with these guys, which is always an, an ugly, uh, ugly thing. We look across the country and the Giants are changing coaches every two years. It's an absolute mess. Uh, a- am I crazy to think that? No, you're absolutely right. And especially, look, when you have a head coach that's getting an extension because he has to, because his contract is running out, 
you really want the coach and the general manager to be tied at the hip. And you don't want the general manager's contract to run out same next clock. year. Got to right. be on the same clock. They have to be on the same clock. And I think that was a product of, of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury getting a contract extension as well. You think the, the Kyler Murray thing smooths itself out? They, they, I mean, that, you get this extension, now you have to go to work and make that thing function. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury's agent is Kyler Murray's agent. It gets, it gets <laughs> hammered out. So you wrote about Ryan Tannehill this weekend that the Titans uh, are not being realistic about what he can do for them. I don't disagree with you. I, I think the Titans will be in the exact same spot they were this year. Not the number one seed, but they'll win the division. They'll have a home playoff game. Maybe they win one. You know, they, they could win a couple. But Ryan Tannehill can't lead them to four straight playoff wins. He's, he's maxed out. Maybe he could get hot a little bit. He's more likely to end with a game like he's ended with the last two seasons. That said, his contract is an albatross, and I don't know who they go get who is better. Maybe he, the guy they get could have a better playoff game, but I don't know that he could get them to 10 or 11 wins to win the division. So what do they do? Well, that's a, that's a great scenario that you've, you've painted, and this is my answer. They're in the same division with the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts have Ryan Tannehill light in Carson Wentz. They're the same guy. You look at their stats, they look alike, they, they, they kind of produce alike. The Indianapolis Colts, after two years, they're going to move on from Carson Wentz because they've decided we're not going to waste this time. We have a playoff-ready team except for our quarterback. And they have the same horizon as what the Titans do. They're looking at the same facts. But somewhere they have figured out they had to have figured out at this stage, if they're going to move on from Carson Wentz, they know who they're going to get, and it's going to be an upgrade in their estimation. So if that's the case in Indianapolis, why isn't that being thought about in Tennessee? I think that's a fair question, but I bet you part of their upgrade in their estimation includes Jonathan Taylor getting the ball more which was a failure of theirs last year when they went into these long stretches where they over-relied on Wentz and under-relied on Taylor, where he would go, I think, in the second half of the Buffalo game, 17 plays without getting a carry, which would never happen with Derrick Henry because the Titans understand that, that they win more when Tannehill has 17 attempts than, than 27 attempts, and the Colts don't seem to have figured that out for Wentz or whoever comes in next, and if it's a Bridgewater or a Garoppolo, which seem to me the caliber of guys they're going to get, they're in the same range as both of those, as Wentz and Taylor. No, I understand. Again, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, you know, tomato, tomato, (laughs) great running back. I just think that they believe, in fact, I know that they believe that they're going to find a quarterback who is better than Carson Wentz. And my question remains, if the Indianapolis Colts, the team that arguably is the biggest rival and the biggest possibility of unseating the Tennessee Titans for the division crown, if they think that they have a guy in mind, you better have a guy in mind too. Because what, are they outthinking you? What's going on there? 
Well, I, I mean, I think it's a fascinating thing to watch play out. I'd say, let me see who you got. Because oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, no I, don't I don't buy that you got a guy better than Carson Wentz. You don't have draft resources to trade because you foolishly traded for Carson Wentz. So I think it's a great, a great thing. Let's watch. Let, let's watch who they get. And maybe we'll be having a conversation on the show in two or three weeks, saying, "Whoa, uh, Armando, you were right. They 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 did scale up." Or we'll be saying that that's their alternative. Well, we're probably going to be doing the latter, but. They You'd like think, they're trying. Yeah, yeah, they think that they're going to find a guy, and I like the fact that they realize the the guy that's on staff right now isn't good enough. The Miami Dolphins realize that about Ryan Tannehill after seven years. We're now what three years, four years into Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Going into four years, yeah. It's time. But I mean, you get in the tournament with the home game. You got a chance, is is what a lot of people would think. Now I, I know there's a wall. You weren't expecting Cincinnati to go either. I'm not defending the well, Titans. They played like crap in the playoffs two years in a row. They got to be better than that. Four words: Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, jo- Allen. So fight that. Two words: this draft. Um, you think things are cool between Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy? You also wrote about that at Outkick.com. They say they are. Uh, you buying it? The, uh, I buy that when alpha males are all in the same room uh, and they have opinions. Sometimes there's, you know, there's a little uh, tension. I buy that. But ultimately, after vacations and when agents get involved and when you look around for, for again, for upgrades... I think uh, cooler heads prevail, and so he's back for another year. What's your ideal overtime situation? And why do you think so many coaches, even Vrabel, who sat with me yesterday, who's on the competition committee now, says – he did say he wants the same thing in in regular season and overtime. He didn't want to prepare for two different scenarios. But a lot of these guys were hesitant to say – even Bean – you know, said, I want a time thing, but he wouldn't say how much time. Right. <laughs> it's surely 10 or 15 minutes. Right? Right. What well, big secret. I'm not going to tell you how much time. Everybody is very shy about saying it is precisely what it is they want. I don't know why. You're not going to be shy. What, what, if, if you could declare what the overtime is, what is it? <laughs> so I am the, um, the outlier. I think it's fine. Yeah. I, look, I understand the thinking that it should be fair. Both teams should get the football. You get to play defense. You get to stop. It's an option to stop them. Well, that certainly was uh, at issue and not talked about enough out of the games that were at issue this year. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think that one of the games was decided when one of the teams stopped. In fact, didn't Cincinnati stop Kansas City? Yeah, intercepted them. In the, in the overtime. That's an option. I'm fine with that. <laughs> let's, let's go. Play defense. Are you okay with ties in the regular season? I am. Hutton can't stand ties. I, I think ties. it's a rarity. It's a rarity. It's not a popular thing. Nobody's excited about having a tie, but there's a column in the standings for a tie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't love ties. I understand ties. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd rather they play until somebody wins, but 
nobody's asking me except for you. So. And asking. you don't even care what I think. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> care what he thinks, as do Jonathan and Chad. And we send it back to them in New York. Paul, and thank you, Armando Salguero, one of our favorite guests each and every week and uh, a great writer at Outkick.com covering all things National Football League. He's got you covered. Great conversation there. Uh, if you missed the one with Dane Brugler, we're going to podcast that as well. You can hear the entire show wherever you download your audio. Coming up, we get back into college hoops. We'll tell you how ESPN plans to, to, to cover Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. Plus, we'll go and discuss the Tennessee Volunteers and the top four teams in the SEC and what we should be expecting from this group. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The show rolls on. Outkick 360 from New York. PK is in Indianapolis, our entire crew working hard here, there, and in Nashville at 6th and Peabody. Big news with the USFL this morning, uh, story at outkick.com. They have been approved for sports wagering in 15 states, and there will be more to follow. Uh, but this is big, Chad, because now you can go to, you know, anywhere you want to go, and you can have a little action on Birmingham taking on New Jersey on April 16th or any of these games moving forward. Well, one thing that the uh, the start of sports wagering online has done or has not done is take away interest in any sport in which you can put a little action on that sport. So this is big news for the USFL to be sanctioned where you can bet on USFL games because sports gamblers will go and bet on these USFL games. And Guess what? That means they'll also be watching those USFL games. So this is great news uh, for the USFL. And again, it never hurts when you have a sport you can put some action on. Well, they've already seen strong interest from sports books market-wide. Uh, we would tell you, go to FanDuel.com slash OutKick, FanDuel.com slash OK360, and you can be a part of the fun there. There's also a great opportunity for you with the, the UFC pay-per-view coming up, where you get 30-1 to 1 odds on Masvidal or Covington. Covington's a huge favorite. And you can take 30-1 to 1 odds for him just to win the fight and cash in. It's a, it's a cash bet. Go to FanDuel.com slash OK360. It's got to be your first bet. So when you opt in, you simply hop in and opt in and make that your first wager. And it's outstanding. It's UFC pay-per-view on Saturday, Masvidal and Covington. Out in the code there is Outkick or OK360, fanduel.com slash OK360. Um, ESPN is going to cover, and rightfully so, they're going to cover the final game for Coach K at Cameron Indoor across their entire network. Um, th this will be similar to like a national championship type game. Uh, when I say network, I mean like all their stations. They're going to have different feeds and be able to take you in different areas of the game itself. ESPN2, ESPNU. Right. Yes. ESPN News, which is still a thing. Yes. I think that's cool. 
Uh, I did too. And did you see the the? Uh, I think it was Reed who sent us the lowest ticket price for that game. It's over five thousand dollars. Yeah, right? I mean that's insane. And this is going to be, and, and and rightfully so, this is going to be an all-day send-off. Shashevskyville is already packed with tents. College game day Two nights out just with about students camping out, yeah. you know, getting tickets to this game. Uh, this is a h- historic, monumental-type send-off uh, with Coach K. So I'm glad that ESPN's doing the full-court press uh, with this event and making sure that you get all angles covered. We are uh, covering the SEC uh, every day on this show. And, Chad, you you were pointing out an interesting stat recently about the Tennessee Vols and their makeup going into SEC tournament play and ultimately the NCAA tournament. There was a stat that you pointed out that shows how different they are this year with this Rick Bards team compared to years past with Coach Barnes. Yeah, shout out to uh, Eamon Brennan of The Athletic who does this weekly power ranking. And what I like about it is it's very different. You know, you get uh, you, writers will have their own rankings, and many times they resemble the AP Top 25, and his often are completely different than what the yeah. AP has in terms of power rankings, straight 1 through 20 of teams that could win the national title. Um, He's got this week Gonzaga, number one. Tennessee comes in at number nine. And some stats that really jumped out to me. And I love when you get stats that you can easily envision when you hear them about what that team is and what their style becomes, right? This is where I think this Tennessee team versus the past Rick Barnes team that have fallen flat on their face in the NCAA tournament at Texas and at Tennessee. He doesn't have a good tournament record. There's, There's no way around it. He doesn't have a lot of success in the tournament. I'm not saying this Tennessee team is going to be an Elite Eight squad or Final Four team, but they are different than past teams. Last year's team learned how to be a lockdown defensive team with Keon Johnson, with Jaden Springer, a very different team than this year's team. This year's team, a lockdown defensive team also. And those are tough teams to get past in the NCAA tournament. But here's where Tennessee is different. Moving the basketball. They're 13th nationally in assist per made field goals. So there's a lot of ball movement with their guards. That's a good stat to have. You're moving people. Dan Dockage talks about that. Not just moving the ball, but moving people defensively. Tennessee's doing a better job of that. They're third in the SEC in three-point shooting. That's very un-Rick Barnes-like. And they shoot a lot of them with those guards. And Santiago Vescovi is the best three-point shooter in the SEC. But here's where it gets a little tricky for Tennessee. And this is very different than years past. They're last in the SEC in two-point field goals, 45% wow. of two-point field goals. Now, you may say, okay, that's very Rick Barnes-like because his teams love the mid-range jumper. And remember Jordan Bone and Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, those guys would take 15- to 17-foot jump shots where no one else in college basketball was with those teams. Not the case. Only 24% of Tennessee shots from two are mid-range jump shots. Here's their issue this year. They're 59.4% around the rim. So under 60% when they get to the rim on shots. Compare and contrast that, Gonzaga's at 70%, which is a big gap when they get to the rim. Now, that's West Coast Conference versus SEC rim protection also as part of that. Um, I say all these things to say that this is a Tennessee team that is in no way post-oriented. Rick Barnes prefers to go to the post and work through the post in his half-court offense. When things got tricky against Georgia the other night on the road, Georgia cuts it to four. 
They call timeout. Rick Barnes goes to two design plays to get John Fulkerson the ball. He scores four straight points. That's what he wants to do. When things get tough, you want to go down low and have someone that can get their back to the basket, get it to him in a good position, they go to work. Fulkerson can do that at times. And that's but, why he was critical of his tough yes. mentality earlier this year. But overall, they just don't have those players. They, they don't have Grant Williams that you can go into who's going to get fouled yeah. late in the game or, or, or get to the basket. This is an outside, three-point shooting, move-the-ball, point-guard-oriented team. And it is cliché. But having superior guards in the NCAA tournament is a must if you're going to make a run. So I'm not saying this Tennessee team is the best of Rick Barnes' teams. I don't think they are. But are they different in a way that could lead to NCAA tournament success? I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. The way, they're, the way this team is formulated and how they run through their guards, specifically when they get in that winning time lineup of Vescovy, Chandler and Ziegler, three point guards on the court at once, it's a difficult matchup for teams. Well, and Fulkerson's interesting, Chad, because at this time last year, they were facing Florida, or about to, and he got hurt. Yeah, in the SEC tournament. In the SEC tournament. Yep. And he was, he was an X factor for them down the stretch. And they lost him, and you're like, man, that is a massive loss. Yeah. They need that guy to show back up. And it was. They got blown out in the first game, not just because he wasn't there, but... Uh, and it's 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 picking his spots, right? He had he's been very streaky so far this year. But that's going to be big. Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network will join the show from the NFL Combine. That is coming up in about twenty five minutes. But when we come back, a mystery guest, a friend oh of the show, my. and a massive name from days ago. Paul has him at the NFL Combine next.